Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Culture. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Around the world have myths that speak of a mysterious underground kingdom that exists deep within the earth, hidden away from the primitive and violent surface dwellers, which is us. Picture a society untouched by time, unscathed by war, and unaffected by natural disasters. A culture thriving in the vast open spaces inside the Earth. Throughout history, many have looked for physical evidence of its existence, tempted by stories of a peaceful but powerful subterranean civilization with advanced technology and ancient knowledge long forgotten by modern man. This is the story of the underground kingdom of Agartha, and the explorers who've said that not only is it a real place, but they know where it is. Stories of a hollow earth have existed in cultures for thousands of years. Nearly every ancient society has stories about an underground realm, often inhabited by superior beings. Buddhists firmly believe in the subterranean kingdom of Agartha, ruled by the mysterious king of the world. Ooh, Leonardo DiCaprio? No. Agartha is said to be home to millions and connected to the surface by a vast tunnel network within the planet's crust. Indian religions speak of a place called Patala, which translates to that which is below the feet. Patala is described as a beautiful land full of rolling green hills and crystal clear lakes. Agartha is described the same way. Some believe this is the real Garden of Eden, that when God cast Adam and Eve out of the garden, he actually sent them to the surface. In an ancient Mayan text called the Popol Vuh, there is the story of Shabalba, an underworld civilization. And from Shabalba, twin brothers emerge, and like Adam and Eve, they became the first people above ground. Chikomaztoc is the place where the Aztecs emerged to live on the surface of the earth. It translates to seven caves, and researchers are actually looking for it, and some think they found it. African and other Native American legends also mention subterranean realms and cavern spirits. The most consistent story is that of an advanced inner earth civilization, isolated from surface humanity. The Sumerians knew it as Kur, a void space or home of the dead. The Babylonians called it Urkala, another world ruled by gods. The Chinese call this underworld Diyu, and the Japanese call it Yomi. Ancient Egypt, Islam, Greek, Rome, even Celtic Irish, they all have myths of an underground world. More modern myths may call this place hell, but it could be argued that hell is a relatively new concept, that it's a construct designed to create fear and inspire good behavior. But before the concept of hell, the underworld was inhabited by advanced, godlike people who came to the surface of the earth. Once on the surface, they either created humanity or taught civilization to primitive humans. It's easy enough to interpret those as the same thing. And like the flood myth, which is present in every ancient culture, the inner earth story also appears over and over again. Recent discoveries are starting to point to the fact that a great flood did really happen. 
So when cultures from all over the world share the same myth, we have to start looking at all those myths as maybe more than just a story. Those myths may be referring to actual history. But to prove the existence of Agartha, an underground civilization, and the Hollow Earth, we'll need more than stories. We need scientific evidence and eyewitness testimony. Fortunately, we have both. The Hollow Earth theory proposes that our planet is not a solid sphere, but a hollow one with vast, unexplored spaces within. In 1692, astronomer Edmund Haley proposed a hollow Earth consisting of a shell about 500 miles thick. Within that shell are two concentric spheres and a central core about the diameter of Venus. Haley said the spaces in between the shells could support life with light provided by a luminous atmosphere. In the late 18th century, mathematician Leonard Euler used physics calculations to hypothesize a hollow Earth with a central sun. Euler's calculations suggested that gravity would propel matter equally in all directions, forming spheres with hollow interiors. Wait, 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 wait. How can the Earth be hollow and flat at the same time? Well, the Earth isn't flat. Planes always fly in a straight line. If the Earth was round, they would have to uh, adjust for that. Yeah, that's not how that works. Speaking of planes, if the Earth was a spinning ball, you'd be able to fly a helicopter straight up in the air, wait for the ball to spin, and then land on the other side of the planet. Yeah, the atmosphere spins too. The air. Yeah. Right. Uh, How fast does the Earth spin? Well, that depends on the latitude. How fast? Between 300 and 1,000 miles an hour. Okay, so empty air sticks to the ground, moving at 1,000 miles an hour. Yep. In perfect sync. Everywhere on a big round ball. Yes. Agree to disagree. But what does modern science have to say about the hollow earth? On the surface, the hollow earth theory seems to defy basic geological understanding. Seismic data and the study of Earth's gravitational field suggest that our planet is composed of several layers, the crust, the mantle, and the core. However, proponents of the hollow earth theory argue that the data are open to interpretation. They point to anomalies in seismic readings, which they claim could be indicative of large empty spaces within the Earth. They also cite the existence of vast underground caves as evidence of the Earth's hollowness. And if the Earth is hollow, it could support the large population of Agartha. Even if the Earth isn't completely hollow, if there are vast hollow areas within the Earth, why couldn't they house a hidden civilization? Some trace the story of Agartha back to ancient Buddhist texts where it's described as a paradise, a place of pure harmony and advanced knowledge. In the Western world, what we know about Agartha mostly comes from Alexander Santive d'Alvedre. He was a French intellectual and occultist. He spoke of Agartha as a secret civilization, its people possessing wisdom and technology far beyond our understanding. Santive learned of Agartha through his Sanskrit teacher, who insisted it was a real geographic place. Santive's descriptions of Agartha were vivid and detailed, He spoke of grand palaces illuminated by magical light and of advanced technologies that harnessed the Earth's magnetic field. In the 19th century, Agarthans already had citywide lighting, railways, and even air travel. Santis believed that the Agarthans were the guardians of sacred knowledge, a knowledge that can bring about a golden age of peace and enlightenment on the surface world. Others would continue the search for Agartha. Occultist Elena Blavatsky searched for evidence of a hollow Earth and the secret tunnels that Agarthans used to travel all over the planet. But as far as we know, Santiv and Madame Blavatsky didn't find Agartha. But not because it doesn't exist, because they didn't know where to look. But we do.
The reason Edmund Haley started exploring the idea that the Earth was hollow was because of strange compass readings in the Atlantic. He believed that the aurora borealis resulted from gases escaping from the inner spheres inside the Earth. This suggested there were entrances at the North and South Pole, and once inside, you can navigate the inner shells through vast cave and tunnel systems. The hollow Earth theory fell out of favor for a while, but gained new life in 1818. American John Sims launched the notorious Sims Hole Theory. He declared that the Earth was hollow and habitable. He said the inner Earth is comprised of four nested shells with openings at the poles. And Sims dedicated much of his life to promoting this theory by trying to put together a polar expedition, though that never happened. In 1829, Norwegian fisherman Olaf Janssen claimed that he and his father sailed through a polar opening and into the planet's interior. There they spent two years among a race of giants before exiting through the South Pole. His story is documented in the book The Smoky God by Willis George Emerson, which is a fun read. But probably the most famous and detailed account of the world inside the Earth comes from Admiral Richard E. Byrd. Admiral Byrd was an aviation pioneer, polar explorer, and one of the most decorated and celebrated officers in the history of the American military, so a serious guy. Byrd took his plane out on a quick survey mission of the North Pole. As he was flying over ice and snow, he noticed the sunlight changed. Then it got warmer. A few minutes later, he was flying over fields of green grass and forests and rivers. He even saw a woolly mammoth grazing in one of those fields. Then he no longer had control of his plane, and suddenly two craft came up beside him. Off our port and starboard wings are a strange type of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside. They are disc-shaped and have a radiant quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. It is a type of swastika. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I tug at the controls again. They will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some type. Admiral Byrd lands and is escorted by tall blonde men to an underground city. There, the Admiral meets someone called the Master. Now, I link to an episode where I go into a lot of detail about what Admiral Byrd found, so check that out if you want to learn more. I'll try not to spoil too much here. So Admiral Byrd found a way to the Hollow Earth in the North Pole. Others have found their way in through the South Pole. The South Pole is often connected to Nazi Germany. Hitler was an occultist and was famously fascinated by the possibility that the Hollow Earth could be accessed through Antarctica. Germany did make an expedition to Antarctica in 1938. I theorized in the Operation High Jump episode that this was the reason the United States sent such a large, well-armed task force down there in 1946. The Germans had maps of the area, including a cave system underneath the surface. They even had step-by-step -step directions on how to get into the Hollow Earth. The directions are very specific. Distances right down to the meter. After you follow the first eight steps, the ninth step is interesting. Proceed to Agatha, full speed. Process straight ahead until the new light can be seen. Change of magnetic poles, the changes of the compass needle and instruments are to be disregarded. German U-boat 209, commanded by Heinrich Broda, said he reached the interior of the Earth and found a vast network of tunnels. There are rumors that, after Germany surrendered, some Nazis fled to Antarctica and hid in these tunnels. And other rumors say they're still there. But the poles aren't the only way to get into the cave system that leads to Agartha. There are entrances all over the world. And chances are, there's one near you. 
Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. The planetary grid system is a network of energy lines crisscrossing the planet. These lines are said to influence everything from ancient monument placement to the patterns of animal migration. The idea of a planetary grid goes back to the ancient Greeks, who believed in a concept called amphalos, the Earth's central point. And you can see this concept expressed in places like the Oracle at Delphi, said to be the center of the ancient world. A few centuries later, in the 1920s, Alfred Watkins noticed that ancient sites seemed to line up along straight paths. He termed these ley lines. And while some considered his theory a coincidence, others saw a pattern connected to the Earth's geography. More recently, the unified vector geometry theory was proposed by Buckminster Fuller and later developed by scientists like William Becker and Beth Hagens. According to this theory, the Earth is covered by an invisible grid formed by 120 identical triangles. This grid supposedly aligns with significant geographical and historical points across the globe. Take the Great Pyramid of Giza. According to the Unified Vector Geometry Theory, it isn't randomly placed, but occupies a crucial point on this global energy grid. The same applies to other ancient landmarks like Stonehenge and Machu Picchu, the Nazca Lines, and even the Bermuda Triangle. In addition to the North and South Poles, entrances to the Kingdom of Agartha are also found on some of these planetary grid points. Let's take a quick trip around the world and look for a way in. The first way into the Hollow Earth is in the Caves of Deiros in Greece. This entrance is closely connected to Plato and the story of Atlantis. From Greece across the Mediterranean to Mount Epimeo in Italy, for centuries, this has been called a portal to the inner Earth. Now going south across the Mediterranean is the Pyramid of Giza. Giza doesn't seem like it would have access to the Hollow Earth, but we now know that underneath the pyramids is a vast cave system, underground rivers, reservoirs, and tunnels. With modern technology like ground-penetrating radar, new caverns and chambers are discovered all the time. Another entrance to the earth is said to be within King Solomon's mines. Solomon, a king of Israel and son of King David, was known for his wisdom, power, and his personal fortune, described as one of the largest on earth. King Solomon's mines became known to the world because of the famous novel featuring the character Alan Quartermain, an adventurer you might remember from the movie The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Quartermain was played by Sean Connery. Underrated movie. Yeah, I think so too. Wealth is usually associated with gold, but King Solomon's wealth is thought to have come from the mining of copper. And these mines would have been operating around the 13th century BC. Now, even though the legend of King Solomon's mines comes from a fictional novel, treasure hunters believe this is a real place and have been searching for it for a long time. In 2008, there might've been a breakthrough. An ancient mining city was discovered in Kerbat el-Nahas in Jordan. There, archaeologists discovered a copper mine and a copper smelting camp, which seemed to be operational in the 13th century BC. The team also found a lot of personal items, including clothing, ceramics, fabric, even tools. 
all indicating a highly developed long-term settlement at the site. And these objects have been dated to the same period as King Solomon's mines. The next entrance is said to be in Rama, India, where an ancient subterranean city was recently discovered. Tibet is home to many stories about Hollow Earth, so it's not surprising that there are entrances underneath the Himalayas. One of these is in the underground city of Shonshe, which, according to legend, has been guarded by monks for thousands of years. But there are entrances to the inner Earth in the West, too. Iguazu in Argentina allegedly has an entrance hidden somewhere underneath the famous waterfalls. Underneath Mato Grosso in Brazil is said to be the city of Posid, which was built by Atlanteans after the destruction of Atlantis. Even the United States has gateways to the Hollow Earth. Mammoth Cave in Kentucky has been known as an entrance since the first native tribes arrived there thousands of years ago. The most famous entrance to the Hollow Earth in the United States is probably Mount Shasta. It's here where the city of Telos is said to have been built and is still occupied. And there is a lot of evidence that something is happening there. I linked to an episode we did where we called Mount Shasta the most paranormal place on Earth, and it absolutely is. And these are just a few entrances to the kingdom of Gartha in North America. There are others in Arkansas, California, and other states, and several locations in Canada. Even the site of the secret underground base in Dulce, New Mexico, was said to be chosen because of its proximity to an entrance to the inner Earth. And we did an episode on Dulce Base as well. And you might have noticed that a lot of alleged entrances to the Hollow Earth coincide with locations famous for UFO sightings. And this might not be a coincidence. Whenever someone mentions a UFO, our instinct is to look up toward the sky, to space. Turns out, we might be looking in the wrong direction. When we think of UFOs, we think of extraterrestrials from a distant star. And that could be true. But there's also the theory that UFOs aren't coming from a different planet, but from inside our planet. Scientifically speaking, it makes more sense that there's a race of humanoid beings living within the Earth, as opposed to a race of humanoid beings who have somehow figured out how to cross the vast distances of space. And isn't it strange that the aliens we talk about are all humanoid? Whether they're the small greys, the tall whites, or even the goblin-type aliens, they all kind of look like us. Two eyes, nose, mouth, two legs with feet and toes, two arms with hands and fingers. Even the size of the beings is close to the size of humans. Now, maybe all intelligent life in the universe evolves this way, but I would expect life in different biomes, in different ecosystems, on different planets, light years away, to look radically different than humans. But they don't. So it's possible that they're from here, just in places we can't normally see. We see a lot of UFOs coming out of the ocean, but we haven't found any type of base, at least not a confirmed sighting. So what if the base is inside the hollow earth, under the ocean? I can think of no better hiding place. Far sighted a moon. Yeah, that, that would be a good hiding place. And there are crazy things happening on the far side of the moon, and an episode on that is coming up. There have been many UFO sightings around Mount Shasta where the object flies into the mountain and then disappears. Now, assuming the witnesses are telling the truth, and I believe they are, the objects are going somewhere. 
In the Arctic near the North Pole, the earliest reported UFO sightings go back to the year 1850. Captain DeHaven and his medical officer saw what they thought was a balloon, but then a second object appeared and suddenly both objects vanished. Around midnight on January 22, 1952, a strange object was tracked on radar at a military outpost in northern Alaska. It was moving at 1,500 miles per hour, which no aircraft on Earth could do. Three jets were sent to investigate, and as the jets approached, the radar blip slowed down and just hovered. A few seconds later, it streaked out of sight, heading to the North Pole, moving even faster than before. On October 5th, 1960, the ballistic missile early warning station at Thule, Greenland thought World War III had started. Radar was tracking multiple objects moving at speeds too fast to be anything except a Soviet missile attack. Within minutes, U.S. bases in England and Canada were mobilized, and NORAD and the Strategic Air Command were alerted. A few minutes later, the radar signals changed course and disappeared somewhere near the North Pole. The military has been dealing with Arctic UFOs since 1945. The first UFO in Alaska emerged from the sea in March of that year. 14 crew members on an Army transport ship witnessed the object. It approached the ship, circled it, and then flew away. And there were many more sightings in the Arctic during this time. Inuits in the Arctic regions have encountered UFOs in the past and included them in their myths. Once, a man from the Buckland River tribe discovered what appeared to be a UFO landing site. Two strips of land approximately two feet wide had been burned all the way down to the ground. On Sledge Island, Inuits have a legend of a massive ball of fire resembling the moon that descended from the sky. Shortly after the object was spotted, a creature described as a human skeleton appeared in the village. According to the legend, this visitor was not friendly and killed most of the people it encountered. These are just a small fraction of the stories about UFOs and visitors coming from the ocean, from the poles, or the middle of the earth. So we've covered the eyewitness accounts. The next piece of the Hollow Earth puzzle is scientific evidence. We have that too. The Kola Superdeep Borehole was just 9 inches in diameter, and at 40,230 feet, it's the deepest hole on Earth. It took almost 20 years to reach its depth of 7.5 miles. Uh, Mel's hole is deeper than that. Well, that's true, but that's another episode. Uh, they pulled some crazy stuff out of Mel's hole. Kola Superdeep was abandoned in 1992 when the drillers encountered higher-than-expected temperatures, over 350 degrees Fahrenheit. The drill just couldn't handle the heat. Seven and a half miles is a deep hole, but it's 4,000 miles to the Earth's core, so the Kola Superdeep is nothing. And since grade school, we've been taught that the Earth is made up of the crust, the mantle, and the core. And the core is two layers. The outer core is almost 1,400 miles thick and mostly made of liquid iron and nickel. The inner core is a solid sphere with a radius of about 750 miles. And the inner core is thought to be comprised mostly of iron and some nickel. But if we've only dug seven and a half miles down, how do we know for sure what's down there? Well, we don't. But by using different methods, scientists can take a guess. The primary way we've learned about the Earth's core is through the study of seismic waves. These are waves of energy that travel through the Earth's layers. They move at different speeds depending on the density and the composition of the layer they're passing through. Further evidence comes from the Earth's magnetic field, which is best explained by a dynamo effect. This is the spinning motion of the liquid iron and nickel which generates the field. But something strange happened at the beginning of this year. The Earth's inner core stopped spinning. 
Now, it's believed that the core started spinning again, but in a different direction. And nobody really knows what caused this. We can only guess. A few months later, it was determined that the Earth has an inner, inner core of solid iron about 400 miles wide. So new discoveries are always being made, and everything we know about the inner Earth is just educated guesses. Why couldn't the Earth be hollow, or at least have enormous hollowed-out spaces that could support life? Now, skeptics have argued that you can't have life inside the Earth. The main reason, there's no water. Well, when the Kola Superdeep borehole was being drilled, fossilized plankton were found miles below the surface. Still, those are fossils, maybe millions of years old. What about now? Well, in 2014, scientists discovered water hundreds of miles below the Earth's surface. Not just a little water. They found so much water, you can fill all the Earth's oceans with it. Three times. Whoa. Most of the Earth's water is not on the surface, it's inside. This water exists between 250 and 410 miles under the surface in an area called a transition zone, a buffer layer that separates the upper from the lower mantle. Now, if there's water down there, I wonder what else could be down there? Well, in 2019, geologists from Princeton University published a study that surprised everyone. They used supercomputers to analyze seismic data from some of the largest earthquakes ever recorded, including the 8.2 magnitude quake that hit Bolivia in 1994. Earthquakes that big reverberate through the entire planet. We may not feel them, but seismographs can detect them. Analysis showed that beneath the surface of the Earth are vast plains and mountains taller than the Himalayas, all deep within the Earth. How deep? 410 miles, the same depth as where the water is found, the transition zone. So what about the entrances at the poles? Well, pictures are hard to find, and they're allegedly all altered by NASA, which we know they do. But there are a few photos and videos out there of the poles that show something strange. These photos were taken by the SS-7 satellite in 1968. In one photograph, the North Pole was covered by clouds. In another photograph, the same area had no clouds, revealing a massive hole where the pole would be. This was taken from the ISS in March of 2015. NASA says that's a typhoon. Fair enough. But in 1987, the Russian space station Mir recorded something at the North Pole that is definitely not a typhoon. What is this? The hollow Earth theory has been around for centuries. At one point in history, it was the mainstream scientific view. But is there really evidence to support the hollow Earth theory? Well, yes and no. Modern hollow Earth theory always starts with Edmund Haley. He's a famous astronomer, which gives the theory some legitimacy. Haley put forth the idea because he couldn't explain why magnetic poles were moving. He figured there were shells inside the Earth that moved independently of each other. And he was almost right. During Haley's time, it wasn't yet known that the Earth's core spins, which creates the magnetic field. But he was correct that sections of the inner Earth can move independently of each other including the core, as we only recently discovered. Mathematician Leonard Euler gets credit for pushing the hollow earth theory in the 18th century. Now, I'm not sure how he became attached to the theory. There's no evidence he ever said anything about it. And the concept of Agartha as a legendary subterranean world was first mentioned in the late 19th century. 
French occultist and esoteric writer Alexander Santive introduced the idea in a book he published in 1885. And according to his writing, Agartha was a place of ancient wisdom and spiritual enlightenment, but he never found actual hard evidence that it was a real place. He actually never looked. The idea caught on with other occultists and theosophists like Madame Blavatsky, but the only evidence they provide of the hollow earth comes from visions and telepathic communication. And I'll leave it to you to determine if that's proof enough. Most modern hollow earth myths come from the Jules Verne novel, Journey to the Center of the Earth. When this story was published in 1864, it was a phenomenon and made Jules Verne one of the most famous authors in the world. Before there were blockbuster films, there was Jules Verne. Now, Admiral Byrd's diary describes how he flew into the hollow earth and had a meeting with an advanced race of beings who warned him about war and nuclear weapons. And this is a common theme in science fiction in the 1950s and 1960s. Admiral Byrd's story is basically the same plot as The Day the Earth Stood Still. It just takes place in Agartha. I covered Admiral Byrd's diary in the other episode. I also explain whether the diary is real or not. Spoiler alert, it's not. Now, the water found inside the Earth is real. And when the discovery was made, we were clickbaited into thinking there are these vast oceans inside the Earth. And there may be, but that's not what this discovery showed. There is a massive amount of water in the Earth's mantle, but it's trapped inside rocks and minerals. Oy, rocks can hold water. Yep, lots of it. It's a process called mineral hydration. It's a good way to lock water in in a dry environment. For example, the surface of the moon is covered in water. The water is just embedded in the lunar soil. So the water inside the Earth is real, just not in a way that's obvious. And the mountains inside the Earth are also real but also not how we might think. Again, we were clickbaited into thinking there are huge open spaces underground with mountain ranges, and you can't help but picture scenes from Godzilla vs. Kong. But that's not what they found. There are mountains of material that are denser than the material around them. It's still solid-ish material, just of different densities. The NASA video is a typhoon. And the video taken from Mir was a hoax, but you probably knew that. Now, it's true there aren't a lot of satellite pictures of the poles, and there is a lot of speculation about this. The truth is, there aren't a lot of satellites there. It's not worth taking a lot of photographs of the poles because not much changes, and photos that are almost pure white are hard to analyze. Now, there are a couple of satellites in polar orbit that measure how much the ice caps are melting. They're not. Well, a few years ago, you could maybe make that argument, but... NASA reports that Antarctica is losing around 150 billion tons of ice per year. Yeah, but when does NASA ever tell the truth, eh? Now, that's a fair point. But just last week, it was reported that Antarctica is experiencing a Six Sigma event, which happens every seven and a half million years. Oh, this sounds bad. Well, it ain't good. But assuming we're not all underwater, I'll get into that in a future episode. As for things I can explain... There are witness reports of UFOs flying into Mount Shasta. No video that I can find, but multiple witnesses have seen this, and I think they're probably telling the truth. UFOs are coming out of the ocean. We've all seen video of that. And if the aliens landed tomorrow and held a press conference where they said we're not from another planet, but we're from inside this planet, well, that would make sense to me. Scientifically speaking, that's more plausible than creating wormholes and bending space-time to travel through space. But until the aliens announce themselves, or until our government starts telling the truth, we're just not gonna know for sure. And there are many, many interesting stories about the hollow earth, 
and there's no way to cover them in one episode, so keep an eye out for more on this topic. Now, it's true we can't prove the Earth is hollow. It's also true we can't prove it's not. If you follow this channel, you know I try to find as much truth in these mysteries as I can. But the real truth is, some mysteries just can't be solved. And those are my favorite. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. My name is AJ. There's Hacklefish. Slip me some skin, Jack. This has been The Y-Files. If you had fun or learned anything, do him a favor. Like, subscribe, comment, share. It's annoying to hear us say it over and over, but it really does help the channel. Like every topic we cover on The Y-Files, this one was recommended by you. So if there's a story you'd like to see or learn more about, go to thewifiles.com slash tips. If you'd like to join a great community, check out the Y-Files Discord. There's thousands of people on there. They're all into the same stuff that we are, and it's free to join. Now, special thanks to our patrons who make this channel possible. You guys are amazing, and we could not do this without you. And if you'd like to support the channel, become a member on Patreon. For as little as three bucks a month, you get all kinds of perks like early access to videos with no commercials, special access on Discord, and all kinds of stuff. Now, if that's not for you, maybe grab something from the Wildfile store. Oh, uh, yeah, you can grab one of these uh, talking hecklefish, plushy toy doll talking fishes. <laughs> that's going to do it. Until next time, be safe, be kind, and know that you are appreciated. Yeah.